Philip, this sounds real bad here. Sounds like I'm echoing all over the place. <clears throat> We're going to need more of these sweet times. Because you and I know that we are living in the last days. I hope you know that. Fear of that, we can say something so often and it just kind of rolls off our tongue and off our back and out of our life, it seems like. Even when the Lord kind of sends reminders, it still doesn't really seem to affect us or affect us. I mean, my house was swaying this past week. Did anybody have an earthquake at their house? I mean, our house was moving, actually moving. We were in L.A. a number of years ago in an earthquake, and it moved just as much as it was in L.A., our house. Um, a few days before that, earthquake rattled Colorado. I forget the actual place where it was, but the first major earthquake in 40 years. And as we speak, what is there, millions evacuated as Irene is deciding to dump 10, 11, 12 inches of water all along the East Coast. So we're in the last days. I believe they're wake-up calls. I really do. God is attempting to warn His people all through the Word of God. He warned them. He warned them. He warned them. In the form of Noah building an ark for 125 years, He warned them and warned them. But somehow we don't take notice. We're going to look at something today in the Word of God and titled it Last Days. And we're just going to see something maybe that we kind of overlook because of all the gruesome news we're hearing and seeing and the various things that are happening and will continue to happen. This is not a good time to waver from the Word of God. Do not waver from the Word of Truth. The steady, unchanging Word of God. Don't waver from it. Dangerous times. Last days. 2 Timothy 3 says this. Scripture you're familiar with over and over and over. <clears throat> says this, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. They're upon us. Perilous times are here. The economy, all this shaking of the economy, you know, understand what that is, right? It's coming down to a one-world uh, currency. It is. I think uh, I was just text this week, uh, the you know, the towers that fell. What were they called? Trade Center. What are they going to be called this time? Anybody else hear that? Was that just me? So where they knocked down the old ones and now we're putting up the one world. And they knocked down the trade centers because they figured that New York City was the financial heartbeat of the world. And so this stuff is going on. You and I are called of God to live in it, not hide in it. Okay. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, which is without self-control, no self-control, fierce, despiser of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Having a form, a resemblance of God. Having a form. Towers go down. Our senators and congressmen get together and sing God bless America or something. Remember that? I believe it's a stench in the nostrils of God. I do. I don't think God went, we got through. I don't think so. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such, the Bible says, turn away. 
We are going to be honoring 9-11 here. We're going to be praying. We're going to ask God. We're going to influence about maybe eight to ten minutes or even spiritual strength during this time. The mayor of New York, their 9-11 says he doesn't want any Christians, any religion, anything at all. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. We're not going to thank God we're still alive. We're not going to thank God. He spared us worse. He's not going to thank God for his protection since 9-11. He wants nothing to do with it. Look, in this church, everything that we do, you're going to have an opportunity to have the Word of God injected somehow in you. Even with our fellowships, like this ladies' tea, wherever that list is, if you've missed out, find it. Hopefully, it'll end up at the information table. You can put your name on it. It'll be a great time. I guess, I guess you have cookies and tea. I don't know what you do there. But eventually, there'll be some parts or interjection of the Word of God. Just like the other day, we went golfing. A bunch of us guys, at least 80 guys or so, I guess, went out there and attempted to have golf come back and just eat and wolf down the burgers. But even in the midst of that, we try to stop and give them five, six, seven, eight minutes of the Word of God just to get them to quiet down and to listen. So you have opportunity in this church to always hear the Word of God in every form and everything that we do. Movie night, which will come up in probably the end of January, that is a form of understanding and getting more of the Word of God. Man to man, we're firing it up again. The end of this uh, next month, September, towards the end of that, calling our men, getting in your face to make you a man of God in these last days. Because we're going to need everything that we got. Let's look at this word now. 2 Peter 3.3 3 says this, Knowing this first, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers. Now they're all over the place. Okay, this is certainly something that the Spirit of God was telling Peter to tell us that this is something that's first going to happen is these scoffers walking after their own lusts. And saying this, where is the promise of His coming? People have been talking about the coming of the Lord for such a long time that most have fallen asleep about it. Even churches. Even churches are now are talking away the rapture and all that various stuff. Anything that is uncomfortable, anything that kind of holds us uh, accountable, we want to do away with. But it says here, where is the promise of His coming? Now listen to what it says. For since the fathers fell asleep, fathers have been asleep, your rightful position is to be the head of the home, the spiritual head, the protector, the high priest, the resemblance of God the Father, and we have fallen asleep at the wheel. So it says, since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Okay. Acts 2 says this, And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. This also is the last days. Now, I think what the enemy has done to us is we kind of look at all this other stuff, lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, and it just kind of uh, ruins any kind of good that we could even think that could come about in the last days. Time and time again, I have to fight off thoughts that it's too late for America. And it might be. I don't know. Sometimes I think, no, we can. And sometimes I say, the mayor doesn't even, he's the mayor. The things that we do that comes out of our mouth, I'm thinking, oh my gosh. 
absolutely too late. And when you see this stuff over and over and you mull on it, and O'Reilly's in this here, and other people are in this here, and all the things that are going on, and your local government, your top government, the White House, then you intermix the church and our commitment and our love for God. I'm going, too late. But then look at this Acts. We always overlook this. God says, it shall come to pass in the last days. We're in it. I don't know of anybody that can say we're not in it. God gives us a promise. I will pour out of my spirit. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Inside and despite what's going on and all the chaos and all the anxiety and the earthquakes and the hurricanes and who knows what's next and what's going to happen, God says there's a pouring out of His Spirit in these last days. And we as flesh kind of always um, kind of are attracted to the to bad news and the horrible things and we just get consumed with them and we live in them and we forget what God is showing us in the last days. God said, I'm going to pour it out. I'm going to pour out my Spirit, of my Spirit upon all flesh. And this is what we have to concentrate on and pay attention to. Now, Acts 2.17, and the Amplified, which I don't use often, but listen what it says. And it shall come to pass in the last days. God declares that I will pour out of my Spirit upon all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, which is a telling forth the divine counsels of God. There is a pouring out of the Spirit of God, a telling forth being able to see beyond now. And telling forth the counsels of God. God's done that all through the Word of God. This time tomorrow. And then something happens. This is the pouring out of the Spirit of God that the church needs, that the people of God need, that the body of believers need in this country. A telling forth of the divine counsels of God. And it says, And your young men shall see visions, divinely granted appearances, that God wants to show our young men something that can't be seen in the natural. And God says this is all going to happen in the last days, this pouring out. God's going to pour out His Spirit upon you and you're going to be able to prophesy things in the future that are going to hit the bullseye. Not, I'm going, I'm not going to go. Someone over here has a backache. Or who doesn't? That's ridiculous. And that's what the church has been into. But I'm talking about nailing things right on the head by the Spirit of God. And our young people are going to be granted things. They're going to be seeing things. God's going to open up and take them things into the heavenlies and show them things they must see. Must see for the sake of the souls that aren't getting it. For the sakes of the Mayor Bloomberg's up there saying, we don't want any Christians. That's what they're going to do, and that's what they're going to say. It's a telling forth of divine counsels. It's being divinely granted these appearances or, or visions or insight that no, normal man can't get. And then it also says, and your old men shall dream. Dream. There's going to be divinely suggested dreams from God. God's going to move upon us as He pours out. Yes, there's going to be earthquakes. Yes, my house might shake again and might even fall. From earthquake, another hurricane, there'll be tornadoes. All this stuff is going to happen. But we got to get our eyes off of all that stuff and realize that's part of it. That's the last days. That's God going, wake up, wake up, wake up. While we're in it, we can't be going. <laughs> we got to get under that pouring out of His Spirit. 
That's what the church does. The church gets in between the destruction that's coming. God says, this and this and this is going to happen and I'm going to utterly destroy them. And then the church gets in between it and fights off the enemy, declares the light and tries, run this way, run this way, and you save some. But you're not going to do it by just staring at Fox News or watching the earthquake or Irene or Panic Channel. What's the Panic Channel? Anybody know what the Panic Channel is? Weather Channel. Okay. It is. This pouring out is to distribute largely. Distribute largely. It's not a, you know, just a, it's a distributing largely is what this thing means. To distribute largely. God says, I want to pour out of my spirit. I mean, I want to pour it out. I want to distribute it largely upon the people of God in these last days. Now, the last days have not cut God off guard. They've been formed and fashioned from the beginning of it all. He knew exactly when it was going to happen. He knew when Mayor Bloomberg was going to say what he was going to say before he said it, before Bloomberg was even formed in his mother's womb. God knew all this. So this didn't catch God off guard, but it catches us off guard a lot of times. And when we're caught off guard, a lot of times we panic and run. But this has not caught God off guard. So God has decided for every one of you to be born and breathing his free air and functioning in this country for such a time as this. You are the ones he's chosen. Now, if you're like me, and you look in the mirror and you think, bad choice, God. But every generation that looked in the mirror went, bad choice, God. All right? You are the ones. Think of the destiny behind this. Think of the planning, the blueprints, the strategy, everything that God has poured into the blood of his son, from the time of redemption until now, in the last days, the ball's in motion. Everything's rolling. There's no turning back. You are the ones. You are the ones that God has declared to be the church in Muskingum County in the state of Ohio. You are the ones in these last days. Now, on a whole, God says this, Isaiah 65. It's what he says about his church. I have spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people, which walketh in a way that was not good, after their own thoughts. Anytime you waver from the Word of God, you're in your own thoughts. Anytime. It's always the same thing, only the face changes. It's always the same thing. I can walk up to whoever with the Word of God, their situation changes. They're doing something that they should never do. And I would say, hey, and I get the yeah, but. It's the wandering from the Word of God. Anytime you wander from the Word of God, you're incorrect. You just can't. A man after my own heart goes, you're right. You're right. God, forgive me. Not yeah, but. So it says, I have spread out my hands all the days under rebellious people, which walketh in a way that was not good. In their own thoughts. You walk in your own thoughts. This is perfect. This, this works out great for me. And it's contrary to the word. But you go, yeah, but. And we always want to include, you know, everybody else is doing it. Or they're doing that way. But it's contrary to the word of God. God says, I've kept my hands and arms open all day. And you're, yeah, button. Then he goes this, verse 3. A people that provoke me to anger continually to my face. That sacrifice in gardens and burneth increase upon altars of brick. 
Man, who can you ever can you imagine getting in God's face? God's face. At my age, I can't imagine getting in anybody's face. Seriously, unless they're older than me. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. I mean, you know, when you're young, you can uh, run everybody off the road, jump out of your car and beat them up, you think. They're saying a people, God is saying through Isaiah, people that provoke me to anger continually. Why? Because they are just doing things their own way. Doing things their own way, God says, that sacrifice in gardens, burning incense upon altars of brick. Man, you are in my face continually. I'm like, oh my gosh, I wonder how many times I've been guilty of that. You understand? This is not me telling you, wise up, get better like me. I'm going to say, woo, man, how many times have you gotten a face of God and didn't even know it? Or even worse, how about once you know it? Once to know to do good. Now, Bruce, what are you doing? What are you doing, Bruce? Circumstances can spin you out of control. Pressure make you do things, even trespass into something that you know is not right. But it pressure, pressure, pressure. And you go, Bruce, what are you doing? At that moment, God's waiting to see the result. Because that's what God does. He gives us time, mercy, mercy, mercy. To those who know to do good and don't, is it's sin. It's sin. Okay, so we're just painting this picture. Hang in there. So you and I know that the church is in an appalling shape. It is. It's appalling. Even this church that I'm even in. It's what we've created and done in the eyes of God. But in the midst of that, God has given us this promise that He says, I will pour out My Spirit largely even amongst this rebellious people. God said, I will do it. Isaiah 65, 8 says this, Thus saith the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster, and one saith, destroy it not, for a blessing is in it, so will I do for my servants' sake, that I will not destroy them all. This is the cluster. This is the the people of God. That God wants to put the new wine and pour in and the new anointing. This is them. Okay, but God is saying, He's not going to destroy it. He's saying there's still a few good grapes in the midst of this cluster. Like the Marines are always looking for a few good... God said there's a few good grapes still in here. And I'm going to use them and I'm going to pour out my Spirit through these people in spite of the appalling shape that we're in. In spite of the clusters that are around you that no longer stay true to the Word of God but have a resemblance of what's holy. Forget them. Get your eyes on God. Just a few good grapes can be left and God will use them. He says, do not destroy it. The Lord is willing to pour out the anointing upon us in these last days. The Word of God says so. I'm not wavering from the Word of God. In these last days, God says, I will pour out. That's the Word of God. So He says, do not destroy it, for a blessing is in it. He said, so I will do this for my servant's sake. Despite the ungodly or unholy rebellion and the pride of some of the remnant, that what we get into and do in spite of it, God still has His servants. And He will bless and restore them. He will keep His promise to those few, few good grapes. God said, I'll do it. He will regather them into the land 
He says, he says, my elect shall inherit it. My servants shall dwell there. He has a special place for his people who seeks him. In spite of the crazy grapes and wild grapes and dried up grapes and no good grapes. This picture of Isaiah 65, 8 is striking. It's America. The idea that God finds a few good grapes among the corrupt cluster of his people. It is for the sake of these, he says, that he will restore and bless again. What a God we have. He says, I will pour out and I won't be stingy. I will largely. So we must stop walking around in defeat with the, the attitude that I fight off. There's no hope for America. And probably some bozo politician or some high person will speak out through the airways. They'll say the most ungodly thing. In spite of all that, God says, I'll still do it. I'll still do it in spite of the next fool of a pastor that creates some fake move of God. God said, I'll still do it. I'll still pour it out on those few good grapes. So we must stop walking around in defeat because if we don't, we miss the pouring out. It's there waiting, but we miss it because we're consumed with all this other stuff that's around us. We must reach for the promise that God has for us. This blessing in the last day, these, in the cluster, you must reach for it. You must go for it. Man, eons ago, I preached a message called Weekend Warriors. And it, it reminded me way back when I was in the service and part when I was doing the reserves. Uh, I was supposed to be in the army, but my uniform and all that stuff that I needed sat idle for 28 days a month. And on that 29th day, I had to go, oh, I'm in the army. And I had to run, get, and try to make call on time, get to the base. Shirt out. And I mean, that's kind of what we, we fall into, and that's what the church is falling into. Weekend warriors, one service. You're insane. You must reach for this promise. We need everything that we can get our spiritual teeth in to, to grow thereby and do something for God. One service. I'm so thankful summer's over. Cause it's like, like when summer's over, the walls are down. Man, we're just everywhere. Paul or, uh, Paul said this as they wrote to the Philipp, uh, Philippians 3, he says, brethren, Paul says this, I count not myself to apprehend it, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto the things which are before, I press, I reach for it. The few good grapes got to reach for that pouring out. You must, oh, you must, you must. The less you show, the weaker I get. It's the truth. The weaker I get, the weaker this church gets. The weaker this church gets, the more vulnerable this city becomes. The weaker the church gets, the more disgusted the head gets. That's not me. I'm not the head. You understand? God has chosen you. Uh, the roller skating through life, 30s and 40s and 50s, is over. The blessing and the anointing that seemed to be on us to defeat any enemy that came around, World War II, even outnumbered, 
Let's put our skates on. God bless. It's over. Now we must reach. Now we need those few good grapes among the cluster, even here. Because we've got to have that pouring out. God's got to be able to take somebody up into the heavens and see things that all of us can't. And then to bring them forth so we're wiser for it. And so we're ready for it. And so we can defeat, hold off the darkness and evil that's going on and save some. Run! Paul says, I press to the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. Golf thing, outings thing, the only fun thing really the men do, outside of now this man to man that's up and firing finally kind of sort of going. But you just golf, you know. Still, we cannot do it. cannot have all those guys under one roof and not just say something about God, about the things of God. This press, you measure yourself and you own yourself. This pressing into the things of God means to pursue in a hostile manner. Ruth's in the nursery. And so I know you won't tell her this. I don't know how long we were dating. I don't know, a year, year and a half. I already had my claim on her. She didn't know it, but I did. I don't even know if she wanted it, but I had a claim on her. And I was talking to her on the phone. Somehow she said, oh, I got to go. Someone's here. I was like, what? Before the phone hit the receiver, I was in my car and over there. In a hostile manner. I flew across railroad tracks. I didn't go, 1,001. 1,002, 1,003. Look again, 1,004. I was gone! This is what this is talking about. Without the silliness of what I was telling you, this is what this is the pursuit in a hostile manner, and I lose that at times. A lot of times. Because I'm fighting this good for nothing, rotten, lazy, carnal nature that wants nothing to do with the few good grapes. Want to be a good for nothing grape. That's its goal. Is to become a lousy grape. Doesn't want bother with the things of God. Hostile manner to pursue. Look, I'm, I'm just going to say it. I don't care if you don't like it. So you've got to stop this one service a week. You've got to stop it. Because when those tides keep coming and that surge of evil keeps coming, keep coming, I'm not going to be able to rescue you. I'm not. I was interested to see what happened in New York, and I think they kind of hyped it up, and it wasn't all that bad. I know they're having tons of rain and flooding, but, you know, the way they talked, it was like, there'll be no New York when you wake up on Sundays. Seriously. It's what, what I kind of thought was going to happen. But this, what I'm telling you, you know what happened, because it's based on the Word of God. And the Word of God is true. It is true. Raise your little babies in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Find yourself a God-fearing, serving man to marry or wife to marry. Yeah, continue to do that kind of stuff, but you cannot function. So I turned on the TV this morning to see if New York was still there. Seriously, it was. Obviously, it was. And they're talking about this rescue that two people, this is how dumb we are. Two people decide to sail their yacht in the 100-mile-an-hour wind. Who saw that in the news? Don't you want to call them up and say, you got to be the dumbest human being in the world? Okay. Sit here 
service after service, no matter who's preaching, no matter what song is sung, and just push a little one service. Do all you can muster is to go just one time. I found someone dumber. Look, they might lose their, I don't know, $80,000 yacht. They didn't lose their life. They couldn't even get to them. They couldn't fly a helicopter out there. They couldn't send a boat out there. They happened to be close enough that they had to shoot a gun with the, I don't know, the hook. <laughs> got on it, and they cranked them back to shore. When you got on the shore, wouldn't you like to just kick them or something? Same thing right here. Listen, same thing. Don't lose the presence of God here. God says, I want to pour out my spirit. He's not going to do it. Now, I understand that some of you, because I've known you for a long time, you come one service with all your heart's desire because you love God and, and sometimes age and ability and all that stuff. Just I understand that. So I believe you still know what I'm talking about. And despite that, God says you are to press, absolutely press. Nehemiah 10.39 says this, For the children of Israel and the children of Levi, this is us, shall bring the offering of the corn, of the new wine, and the oil unto the chambers where are the vessels of the sanctuary and the priests that minister and the porters and the singers. And we will not forsake the house of our God. The song that Vicky sang, man, God was all over it. It was a fresh song, a new song for them, but it was right where, who's not been ever in the desert? Yet, I will sing. I will still worship. It's your job not to forsake the house of God. Your job to bring the corn and the oil and the wine. You're the one God has chosen. Reach for it. We must ask God for a new heart today. To put this, uh, this in us, this new wine, this desire. In these last days, this anointing. And you know that the Word tells us in Matthew 9, 17, neither do men put new wine into old bottles. If you have the ability, the capability to get involved more and you have it, that's an old bottle that needs broken. Because we need help. We need prayer warriors. We need interceders. We need worshipers. We need the presence of God. We need witnesses in these last days. Soldiers. Neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break. See, if you refuse to change, and we God taking us down this road, God says, you'll bust in pieces. It'll try to call you and call you and call you and call you to get to come back. You won't come because you're in pieces. You don't want to even do this new wine. Else the bottle breaks, the wine runneth out, the bottles perish, but they put new wine into new bottles and both are preserved. I am not naive enough to believe I am a freshly new bottle. No, I'm going to say, God, I need a new heart, a new bottle, a new everything. God. I just need it because I know how I can be and come and short-sighted. Jesus reminds us, that what is old and stagnant often cannot be renewed. You understand that? That's dangerous. The Bible says, I am changing. The Spirit of the Lord is changing me, changing me, changing And we can fall into an old tradition, stagnant, undeveloping heart. 
God will often look for new vessels. This is one of my biggest fears. Oh, you did good for a while, buddy, but sorry. Not that God would do that. I would do that to myself. Where I would run and press and run and press. And now I'm just going, mm-hmm. thousands going to hell. God's going to say, okay, buddy, you, I push you aside. I just used as much as I can from you. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. God will often look for new vessels to contain his new work until those vessels make themselves usable again. Oh, God, please forgive me. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Esther 4.13, you know the story. Jews are being annihilated. There's a bounty on every Jew. Mordecai told them to answer Esther, do you think in your heart that you will escape the king's palace any more than any other Jew just because you're his queen? You think you're going to escape this because you have the, the label of Christian? Listen, it says, for if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. If you don't light the fire back under for God, God will light it under someone else. Because God is ready to pour it out on the end time saints. We were on that little cruise this year. Little kitty part was up on top and water would be all over the place. It would fill up these big cups, big things, whatever, and it'd be just filling. You have no idea. The little boy standing under it. And all of a sudden, it would go. <laughs> so I think it was Isaac went over there. He's with his Uncle Joe, and I think they're both standing under there, so just waiting, they're waiting, waiting. He goes, and it missed them. They went, we're standing in the wrong place. No, they could have went back and went, mm, that was no fun. Or they had to invest more time. And then they were drenched. God says, I will pour it. I will pour it. You can make every service and be missing it. I understand that. This is not a you better come to service or I'll shoot you on sight. I'm not, but there is something about being in the house of God. Just take that, that, all the songs were great this morning. You know what made them great? You responded. You responded for some reason. Shocked me. There's the truth. Halfway through the service, halfway through the service, I'm going, we're going to sing that desert song again. As soon as they think they're done, I'm going back up there and saying, sing it again. And they did it before I could say anything. Because there was just some kind God uses songs at perfect places and times. And you respond, and then God pours it out even more. If you've been missing it, you've got, you got to move. So go to your atlas and say, God, God, you got it. I'm sorry. God says, I'll pour it out. You are in the last days. You are the one that God has chosen. He's telling you to reach. He's saying, don't worry about the filthy cluster that you're inside. There's still a few good grapes. And I won't throw it all away. I won't throw it away. You and I here are old enough. New hope is now old enough to become stagnant, dull, and sluggish. In the early years, we're scared of our own shadow. We're now, what, 20 or 21 years I um, can't remember the whole. Uh, I think it's 14. 
Is it 14 where you can, some of you guys can drive, but there's a big old pond in front of the green? 15? Okay, 15. Well, no, none of us drove the green. We're finally on the green, but that pond was so stagnant, and it was like, we were like putting like this. It's, it's stunk. Stunk. I mean, like dead, I don't know what it was. It just was horrible. Maybe you didn't notice it, but when we sure did. I'm thinking, oh my gosh. I'm on that. Jason had to visit hospitals this morning. He's here now. We're on their punt, and he's going, man, this is horrible. I said, it's actually kind of what I'm preaching on. It'd be cool if we had church right by this. It's, that's what happens to us when the life living flow of God, it keeps missing you and missing you. And you're going, man, this dumb church, and these people are a stupid country, and I'm just back up. Oh, God's willing. He's willing to do this. You must understand this. Stagnant means foul, stale, not developing. You've got to be developing. This is my greatest fear that I just reach a plateau and become stale or fat like Eli and lean back on the chair. And <clears throat> Jeremiah 48.11 says, Moab have been at ease from his youth and has settled in on his leaves, which means it just as remains. The dregs, the remains, it means the waste, like that pond has not been emptied. There was no way out. The pond just sat there and stunk. Hath been not, no empty from vessel to vessel, neither hath he gone into captivity. Therefore his taith remaineth in him, and his scent is not changed. Therefore, because of this, God says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will send unto him wanderers, and shall cause him to wander, shall empty his vessel, and break their bond. You can take it all kind of ways. If God's just like, okay, I'm done with you, you're done. Or God's going to say this, Bruce, I love you so much, you're so fouled up, you're so stagnant, I'm going to make you wander, I'm going to bust you in a million pieces to bring you back. What makes us stagnant, unusable, pride, thinking we're something. I've been around long enough, doing long enough to be full of more pride than anybody here. God is wanting to pour out on you. Listen carefully as we wind this down. I want a broken heart. Most on the surface would think, oh, it's not horrible. No, no. You should understand what I'm saying. I think. I want a broken heart for the things of God. A broken heart. I am convinced that God can only use broken things. Not work, not work. This is what we do. Throw it out. But I'm convinced that God can only use broken things because with broken things comes humility, submission. Oh God, I'm so, so messed up. I can't. That's the only way God uses His people. Let's stand please as we get close to. I don't know if I've wandered off my point. I hope I haven't. The point is, is, I know we are in the last days. I started out declaring all these things that are happening, not to give you a downer, but to all of a sudden turn your eyes and illuminate that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh in the last days. In the last days, we can just look at the maps in Africa. Now Libya's free to become a Muslim brother state is what's going to happen. 
and all that. You're like, oh, no, no, oh, and then our president, and then this mayor, and oh, oh, missing what God is saying. I want to pour out. And the water's filling up, and it's dropping all around. Going, oh, there's no hope. There's no nothing. And I want this message to go, hey, wake, wake up. Just one step left for some of that. Just possibly another service for some of that. It'll happen. It'll happen. Psalms 34, 18 says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. Every one of you can testify to this. A lot of times it never seems that God can get through to us. Yet various horrible things in our life that have broken our hearts made us become the closest to God ever. Ever. The danger is when he starts putting it back together. And you, your stuff starts to work. And you're going, oh, yeah, look at me now. When you are all over, you're going, God. Not even realizing it's still God doing the work. God says, I am so close to those of a broken heart. Broken heart. And save such as be of a contrite spirit. I cannot become stagnant. If I am God, God, I need you to kick down walls that I have built that don't belong there, that is causing this water to stagnate, get foul, and stick. I am the freely receive and freely give. The freely receive and freely give. Irene's coming, okay? Freely give and freely. Do you understand earthquakes? Freely give and receive. Your best friends turn from God. Horrible and receive. And I got to freely give. Or else, as weird as this might sound, we need to have a broken heart altar. We had a Speaker, pastor, point to Rob one time. Talked about the anointing of God was on him because of a humble spirit. And he said, stay there. Almost maybe 11 months ago. Now is the danger that can start to take place. Instead of being humble and reliant on everybody, Nervous about playing a whole new group and all that song, and we don't have this musician. You can start play that. I told you, see. I know us. You might chuckle, but I know us. I know us. We need to have a broken heart service and ask God, God, through the years or through the turmoil, you can be 18 and live a long time. Through the years, through the turmoils, through the hurts, through the deceptions, through the lies, have I gotten hard? Lord, if you've given me so much truth, so much life, that I think I'm a broken heart service. We're going to pray for it. We're going to start by prayer. We're going to play a video. Not for you to sit and watch, but you be stirred by and move to the altar. I think it's called Take All of Me. We've had it before with a guy 
locked up stuff, hidden from God, and you won't open the door. You know what I'm saying, God? You've got to break our hearts so you can pour it out these last days. You have chosen us. You are one of these grapes. If you've gotten dry and bitter, then you've got to ask God, God, please, look, there are thousands in the valley of decision that do not know, have no hope, running after things that aren't true. You have the truth. Thousands in the valley of decision. Father, we come to you now in the name of the Lord. And God, I just pray that you would absolutely consume this altar time. Lord, here's your people. Here they are. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would stir their hearts. Stir mine, Lord God Almighty. We're going to ask that you break our hearts to the things of Almighty God. But Lord, we won't become hard-hearted through fear, self-preservation. God, that we will continue to give. Lord, understand the Word of God. Lord, that you will drop in uh, visions and various things that people must see and must hear. Lord God, that you will keep us from foolishness and silliness. Lord, that you would truly take all of us this morning. Lord, I know that there are some with brand new babies and some that are planning marriages and some that are just about to have babies and others that are in the retirement, Lord God. But Lord, take us all. Take every one of us, Lord. When I get to the age where my body fails me, Lord, I still don't want us to do nothing. Take us, Lord. Take all of us in Jesus' name. Our altars are open. Please start that video. Turn it up. Come to this altar and ask God to take all of you. Remember, for the new wine, you must have new wine skin. Change it from day to day. Don't hesitate, please. Don't try to hide it from God like this man's doing.